I'm Mike White, CEO of Lively Worldwide. Welcome to Fresh Takes Video Podcast, where we take a fresh look at the ever-changing landscape of marketing. We want to find out how creativity and technology are innovating the world of brands and businesses to deliver genuine audience connections. Everyone is talking about developments in technology and the constantly changing landscape of marketeers. But are we spending enough time studying the needs of the general public? After all, that's who we're trying to connect with. We are bombarded by as many as 10,000 ads a day, and 85% of them sit below the memory threshold. So is advertising really dead, or has it just evolved into many different formulas, leveraging different channels, platforms, and formats? We've just seen Ryan Reynolds leveraging ChatGBT to supposedly create a new ad. Was this a clever PR stunt or a view into the future? So how do we navigate these constantly evolving advances in technology while wanting to stay creative and be at the center of culture? Well, that's why we're here. Lively is a creative innovation agency taking an agnostic view across all this noise and finding the true pioneers of creativity, innovating in the world of marketing and entertainment. So we can discuss what we have learned and how best to navigate the future. So that's why I'm really excited about our next guest, Rania Robinson, CEO and partner at Quiet Storm. Not to mention a really good friend of 20 years. Rania is also the president of the Women in Advertising and Communications Leadership and the director of Craig Not Hate. So without further ado, let's bring her in and get the t- uh, talk started. Hi, Rania. Thanks for joining. I'm really excited about, given our history and the fact that we've known each other for, well, dare I say, decades, um, <laughs> I'm really that excited. really gives our age away, doesn't yeah. it? And we've uh, <laughs> we've obviously always been, in, uh, you know, catching up and talking about the changing landscapes and kind of the memories you, we used to both have from kind of uh, some of the really amazing stuff we did at Exposure. So um, I'm really excited to have you on board. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Great. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, Mike. Yeah, well, look, you know, I think you're a bit of a star now with all the uh, oh, all the, stop. All the different <laughs> things you're doing. So um, it would be really good just for the audience just to take a quick step back and just hear a little bit about your uh, your personal journey, really, and your career. Okay, well, I mean, I, I, I won't sort of give you the long sort of drawn out version of how I sort of got into the industry at all, but... What is probably quite interesting is that the, the start of my journey has been quite, it's really weird actually, because I've sort of gone the, in some ways the wrong way around, depending on how you see things. But I started uh, my sort of marketing and communication career in what were then called below the line agencies. And I, I don't know if people use that language anymore, but your above the line would be your TV, your out phone, or your big sort of big spend mass market broad sort of broadcast advertising, if you like. Um, and then you're below the line, which would be sort of all the other stuff um, of which I did many, many things. So from shopper marketing, on pack promotions and point of sale to direct marketing, experiential, brand brand engagement, branded content, actually. And, and sort of kind of edit like PR, but not in the kind of classic sense as we know it, but more, you know, things that will generate earned media um, of some sort. So, so I started my career in those types of agencies quite non-traditional so you know it's early on very traditional below the line shopper agencies and then later on kind of more creatively led non-traditional agencies that were just very progressive doing things differently and just actually really when I think back now on it actually like they were doing things that that kind of the industries now 
everyone's starting to do now, but they were doing kind of 20 years ago. So, yeah, so it's um, so it's been quite an interesting kind of transition for me to make to then sort of end up in 10 years ago, what was quite a traditional TV advertising agency Mm. um, because I'd done everything but TV um, and helped, I guess, helped uh, sort of reposition the business and and help them sort of think differently. Although they were always very creative, actually, as an agency, it's probably unfair to say they're traditional advertising. They were in the sense of that's what they got paid. That's how they made the money. But actually, they've always done stuff that was kind of really just creative ideas mm, yeah. that weren't necessarily traditional mm. but 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 the, that was really more sort of stuff that their own initiatives and things that they would do you know around kind of uh more of our sort of social cause related work if you like so it wasn't sort of the stuff that they got paid for no. because it was kind of other stuff that they did so so yeah so it's been quite interesting kind of going that way round yeah. and seeing the industry you know do it do it kind of um I go the other way if i you think like. that's well to be honest with you, that's exactly what this whole programs talking about is the changing face of marketing and actually you know and that's where you and i met you know we we met at, at exposure and and they were you know true innovators in their time and i suppose you know like you said is what what you've been able to do is is go into an advertising agency with all those different skill sets and just look at how advertising's evolved hasn't it, it it's yeah you know it, it's well or everything you know I, i've just done a uh, really interesting show with the uh, the head of transformation at Adobe, and you know that's all he does is go into business it is and go. You've got to think differently, and and he said, yeah, we 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 came across this really incredible stat that NASA. Um, you'll love this actually. NASA did a survey of eighteen hundred four to five year olds, and they measured like uh in the uh, they measured they came out as creative geniuses um but then they tracked them over their lifespan and by yeah. the time they were full adults their creativity had been reduced by 95 percent. yeah like well sir ken robinson talks about this all the time well the late sir ken robinson yeah. sadly because he's amazing he talks about this a lot and I, yeah i love i love this because you know i went to a very academic grammar school which actually just beats the creativity out of you so yeah Yeah. so I totally get it and I think I think that's a big part of why we do a lot of the stuff that we do with create not hate because we're we're trying to kind of unlock that kind of creative potential in kids who've actually had it beaten out of them yeah totally so look that's uh, you know you mentioned create not hate and you mentioned the impact that you've had on quiet you know within quiet storm and that that transformation you guys have been done And, and when we spoke you know really interestingly um, the big uh, kind of main point was that you talk about how purpose has really become misunderstood. Um, you, yeah. c- could you kind of, you know, l- elaborate on that? Because I think that's really interesting yeah. and really upsetting, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people only, well, most of the time when people talk about purpose, they really mean social purpose. Yes. Which is about, you know, cause related, you know, socially driven you know, social justice, whatever it is, you know, environment. And actually, it's it. if you look back on the kind of original meaning of the word within the context of marketing, if you look at a brand like Nike, they've been like, or even Apple, you know, and Apple aren't, you know, trying to save the world in, in their in their comms. You know, it's just about ha- standing for something and meaning something to people beyond your products and services. It's the why that, that um, Simon Sinek talks about. That's purpose. And I think... 
you know, it's suddenly become hijacked. And I, I think there's a there's a very much a kind of discomfort around purpose at the moment because of the current economic climate, that the kind of so, the, the social pressures that we're 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 under. That actually that there's a kind of feeling that people have got kind of different priorities right now um you know there's a bit of overwhelm you know in terms of all the things that you know um you know the social sort of trying to do social good when actually just sort of just struggling with your day-to-day -day for a lot of the average consumer yeah. right now yeah. actually and actually there's a bit i think there's a bit of fatigue around this kind of feeling of having to constantly sort of do good and, th and think about you know and it's important of course it's important and it does influence a lot of purchase you know we know it, it's important to certain segments and you know it does influence you know purchase decisions to a point although we know probably less so than people you know say say that it does but but i think for us you know we, we work with haribo they're a sweet brand at the end of the day mm. and their purpose is about bringing moments of childlike happiness to a dull and gray world it's not about saving saving the planet yeah. uh, it's just about you know and that, and that's it's very anchored in, in a truth because that's what happens when you get a packet of Haribo out. I mean, I you know, I, I kind of defy anyone to get a packet of Haribo out and people not, you know, get suddenly get really all like excited and, you know, and, and childlike in, in finding their favourites. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, it creates this kind of little moment of childlike excitement. And so it's anchored in truth. It's it's a product, it's a, you know, that's not a huge overclaim. There's not a massive kind of and another word to use is kind of a mission i guess a brand mission mm. versus purpose i think and it's something that we've talked a bit about just maybe considering thinking using slightly different language because it's been so sort of hijacked yeah um in the sense but of course we do lots of socially driven work we do lots of social justice work cause related and and that is where it is more social purpose led yeah but it's not it's not exclusive to um to to that kind of stuff and i think that's that's yeah. where there's a bit of bit of confusion going and I think on. that's what I um that's what I got really excited about when we when we last spoke was you really do kind of you really made me think about like the importance of just remembering what we're supposed to do in marketing and and getting back to the basics and and to your point a purpose is is about you know and, and quite a storm really hang on this is it's just about the importance of making human connection isn't it yeah, it's it's you know what there's so very little there's so little differentiation between products and services these days. Yeah, you know I mean again Nike I think Nike's the king of this really and well you know their their purpose is about kind of unleashing the the athlete in everybody. Yeah, yes they've done some stuff that's very social justice led. You know with the Colin Kaepernick and they've done loads of other things around that sort of stuff. But but fundamentally at the start it's about empowering you to be kind of you know releasing the inner out athlete i'm sure that i've probably got the words wrong but the kind of sentiments probably right yeah. there and and they've been doing it for 20 30 about 30 probably 30 years oh i mean you know and um so so yeah so it's it's just but you look at adidas nike what's the difference they've both got high performance trainers like what is the difference other than what they mean to people and what they stand for and that's what is so important and why purpose is important because you know i think with apple it's different they 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 kind of reinvented the category you know there was a strong kind of disrupt like product disruption mm. that went on there but with nike there's no difference really that you know versus they're probably there at the time i don't know if they still are but their main competitor adidas they just had a very differentiating point of view that just connected with people beyond over and above yeah the products and services they sold the products they sold so i think that's the point is in an undifferentiated 
category, which most people are in, actually, most brands will be in an undifferentiated category. It's almost sometimes impossible to find really genuine points of difference yeah. in, in USPs. Mm -hmm. Then you can differentiate through what you what you stand for and what you mean to people and your point of view in the world. And that's what purpose is. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be anchored it's, in, in, you know, saving the world. Um, it's really interesting. It's just made me think, you know, we're... Uh... You know, the world's going through, you know, technology is having a right bashing right now, isn't it? it it's, you know, yes. it's had its moment of time. And it does make you think it's like, it, it's, it feels like so much of the technology industry's marketing has been short term. It's been very reactive, hasn't it? And to your point, it's like, you know, they, and, and to be honest with you, yeah, we've worked with a number of them. And what's quite interesting is, you know, when they're, because they're so successful, the last thing they do is bring in a marketing team. We've quite often ended up working with these companies and, and there's no marketing. And, and that's yeah. the thing is they've, they've, uh, uh, my brother's actually had this, uh, you know, he's, he worked at Cisco for like 20 years and has been now kind of consulting for a number of global tech brands. And he's a, you know, he, he's a, you know, a, a sales, you know, um, guy. And, and works out global sales strategies and stuff like that. But, and, and it's quite interesting having that relationship because he's always like, oh, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the flaky creative. I'm the one that gets all the sales, like the banter of, of brothers, obviously. But he's now realized the importance of brand and marketing because a sales guys go in and there's nothing to use. You know, there is no, you know, what do you stand for? What's your, you know, what's your future vision? And, you know, his hands are tied. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, and it's like that, that kind of, it's, it's kind of really interesting, this whole thing. So kind of going back to the purpose in, and this, this balance between, you know, the basic purpose of a brand versus social purpose, you've obviously done some fantastic work with the likes of kind of Create Not Hate You, which we've collaborated on. And, and I'm so proud to have been able to have a, a little part of that. How have you found, you know, especially with this whole heading into a recession, how have you found, you know, the, um, the success of kind of getting brands on board with that? Yeah. Well, what, what's interesting is, is I, I guess the way before we established Create Not Hate as a community interest company, it's its own sort of com company now, um, we've always done stuff that we, you know, what we do is really powerful. Mm. You know, if you get it right, you can change beha attitudes, behavior, you know, it's really, really powerful. And, and I think for us, we've always wanted to use that to, to do something, to do some good in the world. Yeah. And we've been doing this for like, since the agency founded oh, almost 30 years yeah. ago now. If you look back on our history, we've always done stuff um, that that's usually that supports the black community to be honest, yep. like predominantly, but we've done stuff to support women, and we've done stuff generally marginalised groups or or people that's in some way uh, being mistreated or oppressed, and and I think that's been the kind of the core of it. But we've always sort of done it as little side hustle, not not even hustles, but side projects. Yeah. Um, um, and then what we what we um, so that that, that it, it was kind of. There's the so so yeah it was always it's always been sort of in in our DNA yeah. if you like to do that sort of stuff. Post George Floyd, we you know 
we originally launched Create Not Hate in 2007, but post George Floyd, uh, we just weren't getting the momentum. You know, it was people didn't really, people weren't talking about diversity and the benefits uh, of diversity, or even really accepting and recognizing there was still this level of injustice yeah. in the world, if you like. So we just didn't get the, the support and the momentum we needed at the time. So post George Floyd, we, you know, often these things are about timing, aren't they? Like when, when, when the world's ready. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we did, we found it, it as a community interest company because we just felt that in order for us to sustain doing this we needed to to get funding and support and and hence the community interest company and for us is there's always been two sides of our business if you like there's the there's the commercial side and then there's the kind of cause related and actually what's what's the whole point of of create not hate is bringing you know underrepresented talent into the industry because we recognize the industry needs them yeah they need them because they think differently yeah. and original ideas come from people who think differently. Yeah. We need them because they're closer to most of our consumers. You know, most of us are working in the mainstream, you know, like, you know, you know, market. Um, so they're much more representative of the people we're talking to than the people in our industry who are actually coming up with campaigns and ideas for people that actually, you know, they, they have very little real genuine understanding of. Yes, you can look at the data and you can look at do calls, and you, but it's not like really that real kind of, insight that you have no. uh when when it's through a lived experience if you like i mean data is great and you know you need all of it but there's something about lived experience that that brings a, a very different perspective so it, it's not like a charity it's a genuine like there's this all this brilliant talent that that's going to help us as a business come up with better ideas and be original when you need to be original in a market that is where there's so little differentiation so and you need to connect with real people as well that's it's all about connection again so so that was the point of it. Whilst, but then, but then we sort of added the social dimension by working with them to tackle social issues that you know hold them back, basically. So racism, you know, uh, stop and search, kind of uh, well, racism within the context of the of, you know uh, systemic within the kind of police force, uh, mental health issues that you know more compounded than, than any other kind of groups um, because of the sort of social issues that they've been tackling. Um, we've also tackled things like stop uh, gun and knife crime and, and various things. But we've also, what's really interesting is when you work with these young people to tackle business challenges or, right. or bring a fresh perspective to an existing business um, challenge. So this is where the two businesses are starting to intersect. Wow. Um, so, so, you, so in a way, they're kind of sort of got their separate dimensions, but then they've got this kind of really great point of intersection where what we're starting to do now is work with these young people and they're not always young people actually but they're just people that that what they share is that they're marginalized in some way right. and there's an intersectionality within the context of that right. it's you know um so uh, so so we work with them to basically just bring a fresh perspective and we co-create and we come up with ideas so we work with john lewis we're working with a global iconic global entertainment brand i can't say who yet but that will announce it next year um uh we've worked with our own clients, people like Vimto and 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 um to to yeah, to just basically that that's the point is that you're gonna get, you know, fresh thinking from from these these, you know, people that that are not getting their voices heard at the moment. I love that. So because yeah. that was actually gonna be kind of my next question was, you know, and, and you talked about it in your introduction, is this whole journey as an individual you've been through the creative industry but also the creative experience. Uh, uh, yeah, the creative approach. And it's, yeah. you know, and I, you know, when we spoke, you said, look, the fundamentals of creativity have never changed. We've just forgotten them. But what you're talking about there is, and it was like, 
how do you get a brand or at the end of the day, a person, because there's a CMO or somebody that's got to make a decision, you know, like really change their behavior. Because again, that's what, you know, I got out of the last podcast I did was this, you know, we're just stamping on creativity. Clients love to have these, uh, or businesses, sorry, uh, these processes that can take, you know, three weeks to get something signed off. So, you know, is is it down to how do you get a a client or a brand or a business to kind of embrace that? Well, I think, I think, to be honest with you, there was quite a lot of momentum post George Floyd, and there's a lot of emphasis and focus around diversity, and there still is. And it's, I think businesses can't ignore the importance of diversity anymore. And there's lots of data out there that kind of validates uh, the fact that, you know, with diversity comes business impact. And it's not just about doing what's right and fair. It's about it's good for your business. And and there's a lot more kind of studies and recognition of that fact. Um, I think I think um, what's happening is you've got marketers that have always had that vision, if you like, that they kind of they've got the vision and the kind of um, ambition to be at the kind of competitive edge, if you like, of whatever they're doing. I'm not going to lie. It's still a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, God, everyone's enlightened and it's a really easy pitch because I think it's a bit like innovation or, or brand building. It's one of those things that can get sidelined in tough times yeah, yeah. when people are looking for quick fixes, short-term impact, measurability, and those things, they're not like they're not immediately measurable. They take the, the long-term investments in your business, they're long-term investments in your brand and you don't you won't always necessarily see that immediate impact it's a long-term strategy and i think um so i do think we are getting some incredible uh support from some amazing brands Um, and we've done work with google as well and and all sorts of people in that space but um but it but i think there's still this kind of in some cases with with a lot of businesses it's still sort of a bit of a nice to have it's not business critical Um, And I think that that is a challenge. But I think, you know, most brands that are sort of want to be ahead of the curve, that are innovating, that are kind of at the forefront of, you know, and invest in their their brands, I think are recognising the importance of it and and kind of talking to us or talking to businesses like us about it. And to be honest, I think that's a bit of a rally cry there that and and the importance of, you know, to your point, you know, with all this social purpose, you know, impacting businesses and and influencing so many people, going to your point, the fundamentals are seem to be forgotten. And I think that's the rally cry from people like us that, that have been that through that journey, have seen it. It's an absolute proven fact that long-term planning and purpose, you know, wider purpose-driven marketing works. And so, yeah. you know, the, and, and again, I'll, I'll reference the tech industry. I'm sure if some of these tech businesses that are now imploding would have spent more, invested more in their marketing, um, especially when, when times were good and developed those, those proper marketing strategies, they'd be able to ride through this. Um, well, we know we've got so much evidence um, from, you know, years and years of tracked tracked data that shows that brands and businesses that invest particularly during downturns will come out of or or kind of incrementally grow much faster than than their competitors particularly during downturns when a lot of people switch 
switch that stuff off. Yeah. So if you continue it, you get that kind of incremental or exponential yeah. benefit because you're not competing. So we've got so much, it's so evidence-based. It's not, there's no risk involved. Yeah. It's just, there are, obviously there are brands that, that literally have, cannot invest because they're tackling, you know, other stuff where they literally do not have the resources. But I think, you know, any brand that's got the kind of resources to be sort of switching the brand building long-term investment side of your yeah. investment off is is short we know is short-sighted and actually has a really negative impact on the brand long term but, particularly if your competitors are yeah. are investing but also yeah. some of the you know in in times of challenges and needs some of the the best creativity can come out can't it it's well that's the other thing yeah i think it, it forced it's like it's like mother is the sorry necessity is the mother of invention isn't it yeah and I think that is it. You need to be more creative because you can't just spend your way. No. You can't just you know spend your way through it. You have to be inventive, yeah. and that's where exactly I think that it, it just it does it it um it it inspires creativity absolutely. Yes. We see that every time there's a downturn, we see disruption. We see new yeah. players coming into the market. We see you know innovations, you know amazing innovations. So yeah, absolutely. And, it, and when we see it all the time, we tend to work with, we work with a lot of clients that just don't have the media investments of their competitors. I mean, Haribo is a big number one brand, like player in the category globally, but most of our clients aren't. Right. They're, they're, most of them are the challenger brands, yeah. you know, or their entry, you know, the scale ups or, so they don't have the money that their, their, their um, competitors have. I and mean, we work with youngs and, you know, birds eye out spend them five times, I think in fish. And then even more, when you look at the frozen category, Overall, they've got to be more creative. Yeah, they've got to have more cut through because they can't they can't outspend no. um, bird's eye. So so yeah, so we we get really excited about those types of brands yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're the ones where you can really they know they have to do something really distinctive but, and and that, that's 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 the fun stuff. Well, so. we, we 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 had a, a similar experience. It's like you know uh, uh, this you know lively's fundamental is events. And so pandemic, you know, the whole event industry exploded. Yeah. But I found it, I didn't obviously find the pandemic funny. It was it was terrible. But I found everybody's reaction because we're still marketeers. But the whole event industry, and I know lots of people lost their jobs and, and things like that, but the brands and the businesses kind of just joined the bandwagon of, isn't it terrible? And we actually went on a, on a very cost effective you know we didn't have much money at that, that time and we were battening down the hatches but we were determined and that's how kind of fresh takes came out because it was like yeah you know and i think our first kind of campaign was events are dead long live events and we used yeah. the fact that we understand technology so much that we could continue it actually well we we helped you guys didn't you with a notting hill carnival and and it all stopped and so we did a live stream yeah. for you and and that was, you know, it doesn't need a big budget to still maintain what what you are about and what you're trying to achieve. I want to pull back because, uh, you know, I knew I'd run out of time with you. But the going back to kind of creativity and marketing, you know, and like you said, the fundamentals haven't changed. You know, this simplicity of needing to connect with people emotionally is always there. But you talked about kind of triggers and how... And, and I suppose this is the influence you've had in Quiet Storm, isn't it? Is looking at how that, you know, the, the triggers and the channels have changed. Can you, can you yeah. talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the route to the consumer has changed. The information, the access to information we have 
has changed, obviously with data and um, behavioral, all the sort of behavioral data particularly, but also more than that, you know, social sentiment. And there's all sorts of things that we can track now that we couldn't track historically. We've always done the Qualls stuff, which is about, you know, small, intimate, deep insight, enriched insight that you then quantify with, you know, quantitative, you know, research and stuff like that, which, you know, you know, my argument would be, yes, you can definitely find some really amazing nuggets within data. But to me, data is the kind of quant. It's probably not always the qual. I mean, a data analyst might disagree, but I think, you know, you've got to be pretty smart on how you like mine that data to find maybe a nugget or two that's that's probably like really qualitative, qualitative. It's probably more quant and behavioral, I would argue. Um, so it does it doesn't replace the need to have that kind of richer, deeper insight i don't think but it's a it's another point of insight which is useful and incredibly kind of you know i'm you know i'm all for data don't you know don't get me wrong but i think what what has never changed is that kind of we know that we're emotional beings you know we we don't you know we we haven't evolved we're still like prehistoric in a lot of our thinking and you know our brains still they're quite pre, still quite prehistoric brains so people don't change fundamentally that quickly, even though the media landscape and the fragmentation and all the tech and all the things in the world, you know, will be reshaping us in in the long run. But fundamentally, we still are emotional beings and we make decisions emotionally. So none of that has changed. Um, so I think what's important, we can get as an industry quite excited about new stuff. We like shiny new toys and we're all a bit like, you know, and I think that's fine as long as the crooks of of, of what you're doing is is still connected to the, the 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 human aspect of what motivates consumers to think and behave differently. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that is really really important, and and I think sometimes we can get distracted, and I think you know sometimes we can get really excited because it's like a really sort of innovative mechanic, and you know it's a really innovative use of media. <laughs> but but actually, when but when you look at it, it can leave you a little bit cold. Yeah. So yes, you can get excited by the fact that it was a really clever tactic or a very clever. But as a consumer experiencing it, it, it can leave you a bit cold. So I think it's important that we don't lose sight of that. Um, and I think that's it, really. I think for us, it's it's always whether whatever channel we're in, whatever medium, whatever tactic we're deploying, we try to sort of not lose sight of the, hu- the human emotional um, need to connect. And that can change. That changes in life stage. It changes in contextually. It changes... Um, with what's going on in the environment, like the economy, you know, the economy right now will mean there's maybe different emotional triggers, there's different priorities, but fundamentally, there's still we're still emotion, it's still emotional responses. Yeah. Um, so that that is that's yeah, and I think I think that for me is the bit that that is most motivating to me. It's always that it's been the human side. That's what I that's why I do this. Yeah. This is why I do because I I I'm fascinated by people. I'm you know, what makes us tick, what makes it, that that's the bit that gets me excited, not the new shiny. That's a useful tool. Yeah. It, it helps facilitate access, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. But for me, that's not the bit that gets me I excited. Do, I, I totally agree with you, actually. And a, a bit of a kind of a, an honesty thing here. It, it's, it's one of the traps. Obviously, you know, we're a creative agency, but we wrap ourselves around technology a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I must admit, one of the one of the biggest insights of 2022 for us has been kind of stop talking about the tech. It's almost distracting. People are nervous yeah. about it. People don't understand it. You know, N- NFTs are the perfect example. You know, I, I went crazy about NFTs, you know, for the last three years, actually. But 
fundamentally, the thing that excites me is the use of the technology. And the trouble is, because it's it's become a dirty word now, um, uh, which we've got to be careful about. And it's it's like, and, and I've been talking to a lot of, you know, um, tech companies like Unity and stuff like that. And to your point, it's, we actually, we are two names when we were naming our agency, it was either Lively or Human, um, because we're an event company, you know, that, yeah. that was what was... So, You're an experience this company, is it. aren't you? Yeah. Experiences. And whether that's in real world or online, or it's still... It's still an experience, and we know that experience, like probably the most powerful thing. Exactly. To 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 engage, yeah. Yeah. Having spent years in experiential myself, so I totally yeah um, yeah exactly. And, and, and it's think... and it's and I, and I think that's that's really yeah. Well, to be honest with you, the thing for me was yeah. I always like to wrap up with the fact that we don't have crystal balls. Um, but I saw Trevor, uh, your partner. Uh, make a, uh, a quote in uh, one of, in a media channel um, just before Christmas about his vision for the future was to see more long-term planning and more depth in the fact that, you know, the, you know, this like technical revolution we've been in because of the pandemic just seems to have, to your point, distracted us quite a lot, doesn't well, it? Yeah. Well, look at Apple. I mean, they've never talked about. They okay. never talk. They don't. They don't see themselves as a tech brand, no. you know. Yeah. And that's the point. And that's what they did. That's what they captured people's imagination, yeah. didn't they? That 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 was it. Yeah. What's your wish for twenty twenty three? What do you, you know, Quiet Storms? This you know fantastic uh, creative ad agency that's that's really kind of spent a lot. Well, you personally have spent a lot of time kind of showing people you know, the, the need for bigger purpose-driven campaigns and the differentiation between, you know, large-scale purpose of a brand and social. So where, where, do, you yeah. see, where do you see Quiet Storm in 2023? What's, what's exciting you? Well, I'm excited. I mean, I, to be honest with you, we tend to, we're quite self-selecting as an aid. Like, we attract a certain type of client, right. to be honest with you, because what we do is so specific and so distinctive yeah. that we're going to attract clients who want, want to shake things up yeah. who want to ruffle the status quo who want to be distinctive who who want to so so i just to be honest with that so i just i just want i, I want to do more of that i just i'd love i want brands to recognize and not lose sight of the importance of that stuff because people become risk averse in downturns yes. and and i think what they're missing the point is it's a bigger risk to not invest and disrupt and be different and than it is to just play it safe. Yeah. And I think people play it a bit safe. Uh, you know, so I economies. That because yeah, I I again Well, safe and in, in inverted commas, yes. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> that that was a thing for me during the whole and I you know, I so I'm trying to wean myself off talking about the pandemic, but but it's gonna be hard because it was such a monumental thing that happened to the world. But for me Again, one of the positives I took out of it, uh, especially with some of the clients I was lucky to to be approached by during the pandemic, was the word risk became actually we need to start innovating again. And and what was so nice, you know, I'll, I'll quote Ericsson. You know, my, my experience with Ericsson with um, with the the global head of marketing there was they realised they didn't have any choice but to you know well i don't believe it was taking risk i believe it was finally doing the thing they should have started doing 10 years ago uh, yeah. and that was what was kind of you know this beautiful 
collaborative creative process suddenly you know the, the days of you know work, especially working with big brands they're so departmentalized getting in a room where there's no politics and you know no hidden agendas yeah i hadn't seen that happen for a long time no and they can be fundamentally risk averse the bigger an organization gets the more i think the more risk averse yeah. they become not all of them no. obviously but but i think it becomes part it's it, it, it i'm sure there's a there'll be some sort of tracking as to like because they all stop you know as the startups they're like yeah you know, they, they operate very differently. You become big and you come at scale and, and things do change, I think. And I, I think it's important that we don't, you know, whatever your size, whatever, how, however established you are. In fact, the more established you are, the more you need to, you need to innovate, yeah. actually, because that, you know, you it, it, or you have to have an innovation culture because that's when the more, it's when you become so established that you start to, lose your edge yeah i think it's yeah so you've got to be more mindful of it that i i'm really pleased you said that because uh i had the privilege of intro interviewing the cmo at logitech nadra and she uh she came up with a she really focused on how the role of cmos was changing and how she had this fundamental determination to empower people more um, yeah. And not be that, you know, that that voice of risk adverse of, oh, no, we can't do that. Or no, that's we don't, not yeah. She, you know, and, and it was just so refreshing to hear. And, you know, yeah. that was the summary of her talk was it's like, let's, you know, let's not see them as risks. Let's let's, you know, time is is going so quickly. You need to put ideas out there, test them, learn them adapt, yeah. and move on. That's that's the exciting thing. I think, yeah, that's that's my rally call for twenty twenty three. Is is it's like yeah. you know, please don't be put off by the recession and use it as a way for us to get a lot more creative in how we should yeah, be more exactly. human and connect better to people. Uh, yeah. So brilliant. Well, look, I loved it, Rania. Uh, I knew oh, was, same. So lovely to chat. I'm sure we'll get you back, or or maybe it should be Trevor's turn. Um, yeah, but, uh, Trevor next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be much more interesting than me. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, I'm just pleased to have able to got some of your time. It's like you know, how yeah, you get to do pleasure. your your day job. I I have no idea. Um, thanks very much, and uh, see you. you uh, well, hopefully, see you in London. Yeah. All right. Lovely. Bye bye. Bye. What a great show. So enjoyed getting Rania on board for that one. Uh, hope you enjoyed it too. If you did, please like, please share. Uh, if you've watched this on another platform, um, then please subscribe to our channel because there's lots more content there from live shows, both previous ones and ones that are coming up in the future. White papers on the future of marketing. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Thank you so much and see you next time.